You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans, for the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Available on iTunes and wherever you get your podcast from. I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with you all on this Monday, after no podcast on Friday, that weather kind of got to me, got to my throat, couldn't really talk. It was terrible here in New Orleans and around the rest of the Gulf South region and really almost like everywhere, it seemed. So we've got a jam-packed episode today. We got to kind of quickly get through some things. We got to recap that awful loss to the Kings on Friday, talk about Gentry's reaction to the game um, from that. Then we're going to look at the Philadelphia game last night, a game the Pelicans really should have just cruised through, crushed that team, gotten some rest for the starters. Um, but they didn't. They made this more difficult than it needed to be, I guess, is a way you could say it. Because you wanted them to get rest for the second night of a back-to-back as they travel on the road to Houston to play there. And that's not going to be easy for your Pelicans right now. So we'll preview that game in the final segment for y'all as well. So we're just going to get right into it here on Locked on Pelicans. So in a pretty cold New Orleans here on Friday, the Pelicans took on the Sacramento Kings in the Smoothie King Center and eventually dropping in overtime 116 to 109. And this was uh, like a very frustrating loss. I don't think there's any other way to put it, especially if my mentions and my text messages and other things are anything to go by because I got a number of people being very upset. Uh, I've become like the sounding board for people to vent their frustrations to when it comes to this team, at least my personal friends. Anyway, looking at the fourth quarter, the this is really where the game kind of comes together. We'll get to that, actually. I want to touch on one or two things before that. Here, Anthony Davis, by the way, was surprisingly cleared to play in this game uh, Friday, making his return from that scary-looking groin injury that he'd suffered. And I think everyone can kind of breathe a sigh of relief. We knew this was coming soon, uh, but to see him back on the court and playing, and playing okay, not great, he looked... A little bit, Steve's still moving gingerly, I guess is the way to put it, um, in this game. And then the Pelicans surprisingly decided to rest Rajon Rondo. So he had a DMP in there. And that was the bit of a surprising move because the guy who replaced him in the starting lineup was Ian Clark. And Clark had a good game, by the way, 15 points. It's the first time he's gotten double digits in minutes uh, since like mid-November, I think. So this is good for him to kind of get back into the rotation, get some playing time. 15 minutes, he was 6 of 8 shooting on the night, 2 of 3 from deep. Um, and kind of had some assi- like numbers all around, 3 assists, 3 rebounds, no tur- or 1 turnover. And played well in 20, 28 minutes here, but... It was a bit surprising to see the Pelicans not start Jameer Nelson in place with Rondo because we've seen what having another point guard on the court alongside Drew Holiday really does and kind of elevates his level of play. On the night, Holiday scored 14 points, but this has not been how he's played recently where he's been attacking, driving, and being that kind of starting two guard that the team has envisioned him being. He went back to kind of being that starting point guard role for the team, only had five assists, and went back up to four turnovers. When he's been out there with Rondo or Jameer Nelson, that turnover number for him per game has been down significantly. So the team kind of just went away from 
what's made them good uh, recently, and it was a bit surprising. And it all kind of fell apart in the fourth quarter. With Sacramento down, I think it was eight, they managed to come back, tie it late in the fourth, send it to overtime. And during that run, basically, they dominated the Pelicans and did what they want, and the Pelicans went away from everything that's made them good. You, you lost the ball movement during that time. Turnovers crept up. Uh, on the night, by the way, the Pelicans had 17 total turnovers to just 19 assists. That is the opposite of what they want to be doing as a team and is very disappointing to see. They went to isolation ball, basically. It was Boogie trying to make things happen and seemingly getting in his head with Zach Randolph, who, by the way, had 35 points on the night, which I believe is a career high for him in 33 minutes. This is old-ass Zach Randolph, who's still a good player, of course, but certainly not 35 points good, you wouldn't think. And Bogey wanted to stick it to him and kind of went ISO, went to the three-point shot, and it didn't work. Bogey himself on the night did finish with 38 points. It's a great number, but look at his play in the fourth quarter. He also had eight, eight turnovers. You can live with four from him with his passing and the high usage. Eight is a little much and not what you want to see from him. And basically, it kind of cost the Pelicans the game. In overtime, they were outscored 14-7. to and just unable to do anything, no ball movement, no passing, nothing like that. And it led to this just awful defeat against a team you should have beaten at home. The Kings going into that game were 7-17. and 17. The Pelicans were 13-12. and 12. Like, come, come on, that's, it's obvious what you, you should be doing here. This isn't a team you should lose to. And people still want this to be, you know, the Pelicans to be a playoff team. But you got to win these games. We've talked about that one at the very least. Yeah, maybe you can't beat these upper echelon teams, but you still got to take care of business against the teams that you know you can win against. And this Kings team without Willie Cauley-Stein playing, by the way, um, certainly was one they should have handled business against. Disappointing home loss. And I'm, frankly, I and the fans aren't the only people to think that. After the game, Alvin Gentry was furious if you watch the post-game press conference saying they outplayed us in every phase of the game they played for 48 minutes got it into overtime and they outplayed us we'll look back at this and say i can't believe we did that well we did before he stormed off from the media before really taking any other questions basically what i think gentry's doing here one it's good to call out the team i don't have an issue with that i don't think anyone would because frankly they played terribly and you know you got to kind of sometimes get it in their head and calling them out in the media is a good thing what i don't like is again we've seen this type of press conference before from coach gentry when does he look in a mirror and say i screwed up i should have done something different to motivate these guys Look, people were telling me they don't really put this one on Gentry because, again, he can't make the players pass the ball or do different things. To an extent, he can. You hammer that point in there, and frankly, if he's not getting through to those guys, then it is on Gentry, and a change needs to be made. And if that's the case, you know, maybe you bench Cousins one point to send a message. And I don't know if that'd work. It seems like that might kind of backfire more than doing something else would. But at a certain point, don't you have to try something like that? Cousins was just driving. Holiday can't make him pass the, him the ball. Neither can Davis. If he doesn't want to do it, he's not going to share the ball. And he didn't. And I'm not trying to put this all on Cousins. Again, this, I think, is entirely on multiple things. Probably should have started Jameer Nelson. You'd get a better game out of Drew Holiday, maybe. 
And different things like that means maybe this doesn't go into overtime. But at one point, does Gentry become introspective, look at himself, and then decide, okay, this one's kind of on me instead of just storming off in the media and being mad at his players. I think, again, accountability has been an issue for this franchise for the past number of years. We haven't seen anyone kind of take ownership or say that this kind of stuff isn't okay, losing consistently, what have you. Again, we didn't see any accountability last or last night, Friday night, and I think that's what fans and people need to see from this franchise to know that they truly are committed to winning and trying to get these Ws. So coming up on the podcast, we will be talking about the game against Philadelphia, which for a little while seemed like more of the same, and then in the final segment, going to preview tonight's game against the Houston Rockets for you, so make sure you stay all episode long. So the Philadelphia game had all the makings of a huge letdown for the Pelicans till kind of late in the end. And this was a game in which Joel Embiid didn't play for the um, 76ers. You had TJ McConnell out as well. And I believe Robert Covington didn't play either. So you had three of their very main contributors out for the match. And for a while, it looked like the Pelicans were going to win this one, then lose this one, till finally getting it back and winning it again in the end, en route to a 131-124 win where the offense really woke up late in the game. The Pelicans had about a, um, forgetting some of the numbers here off the top of my head, had a lead going into halftime. I think they were up right around 10, uh, 10 points or so. And it was in the third quarter that we've seen so many times when the Pelicans come out um, from the half and get dominated and this is what happened in this game by the way the third quarter went in favor of the 76ers 40 points to 21 so the pelicans were outscored by 19 there they had an 11 point advantage sorry at halftime and coming right out of the game it was pretty rough for the pelicans they went on the sixers went on a 16 to 6 run and were killing killing the pelicans on the offensive glass on the night the Philadelphia 76ers had an amazing 22 offensive rebounds and punished the Pelicans to the tune of 22 second-chance points. I think in the third quarter alone, they had 10 offensive boards. That's certainly going to give you an advantage and going to make easy offense happen for the 76ers without some of their best players. And frankly, um, it, you know, it's, it's going to just make life, again, easier and better for them. So not an ideal situation especially when you have Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins who need to be crashing the glass, get those defensive rebounds. Davis, by the way, played back up to 40 minutes, 29 points, eight rebounds, not his best rebounding night. But again, as he works his way back from injury, you've got to be happy with what you're seeing from him. Five blocks as well. Cousins put up 23 points, just nine rebounds. Uh, In a bit of a quieter game for him, he struggled with foul trouble throughout the game, had to really be on the bench. He played under 30 minutes, which really isn't what you want to see out of him. Rajon Rondo stepped back into the starting lineup, by the way, 13 points, 18 assists. And then Drew Holiday was the hero the Pelicans needed late in the fourth quarter to put this game away and to ice it. So... On the night, he finished with 34 points, 5 of 8 from 3, and got to the line 8 times, which is a pretty high number for him. You don't, you're not used to seeing you know, the number be as much as that. But he really elevated the Pelicans late in the 4th. The Pelicans in the 4th quarter put up 44 points to 
Philadelphia's 29, erasing kind of that, that run Philadelphia went on their third quarter and scoring enough to kind of get this victory in the very end. But it wasn't really great. So Holiday woke up and basically the team started to go off. Again, 44 points, that's a season high. And it's mainly Holiday who put up 19 points in that quarter alone um, and, again, hit his threes. When his shot is falling like that, this guy is terrifyingly good. When he is trying to drive and attack and do what he needs to do, again, that's what you want to see from him. Um, so Holiday hitting his threes, Davis getting a three in the fourth quarter is exactly what this team needed to wake up and get a win. And they should have had this win, and it shouldn't be as difficult. But some you know, cracks are starting to form in this Pelicans team that we've seen overall. The lackluster effort and performance against the Kings is just really what you cannot do if you are a playoff team. You know, that game, and I'm going to kind of tie these two together, is really surprising. Resting Rondo against a team you think you should beat works if you're, say, the Golden State Warriors, but you're the New Orleans Pelicans, who's just right at 500 now, a game above it. And you're not the 70s, or the 76, the Warriors. You're not some of these other teams that can kind of get away with resting players just for an off night because you think you're going to steamroll and beat the opponent anyway. We saw that. Against a team like the 76ers, you can't just assume you're going to get enough offense out of DeMarcus Cousins and Anthony Davis to win. They're going to kill you another way, potentially. There are cracks starting to form with this team, I think, and we're starting to really maybe see kind of their identity and who they are a little bit more so and get some of these questions answered that weren't answered to start the year. And they're not necessarily good answers. Some are, some aren't. And it's just showing you what a mixed bag this team is. You can have these two great players, but unless you're disciplined, you're well-coached at times, and you've got some other role players there who step up, you're not necessarily going to win the majority of your games. And again, you should kill Philly at home. There's no excuse for this one and getting worked on the glass like that other than you're just not trying as hard as you guys want to do. Disappointing, but at the end of the day, a win is a win. But you've got to be concerned about this run going forward, especially with struggling against an Eastern Conference team like that. So this past week, I played Mason Ginsburg, my good friend and of BourbonStreetShots.com fame, uh, in fantasy basketball this week in our league. And I beat him, and I'm proud of that. But it was a closer win than it should have been, partially because my team does not rebound whatsoever. Uh, so what I'm going to be doing this week is like mainlining into my veins the Locked On Fantasy Basketball podcast because I need to do something to keep this team rolling. You should do the same if you're in a league. Get that money, win for pride, things like that. Anything that gives you an advantage over your friends and other people. Certainly Josh Lloyd over at the Locked On Fantasy Basketball podcast has you covered. So tonight, the Pelicans play on the second night of a back-to-back -back in a very tough game where they are going to take a trip to the Houston Rockets to see the Houston Rockets and to play James Harden and Chris Paul, a team that is 20-4 right now and has won nine straight and is playing some of the best basketball you've seen. This team is for real, folks. Uh, they rank second in offensive rating, fifth in defensive rating, and are playing very good defense overall partially because of the way they make you adjust. But since getting Chris Paul back, Harden's actually trying defensively. And you've got other guys, you know, like Luke Mahamut and different players that, you know, really kind of fit in and help them just defensively and just be better all of a sudden. I'm kind of like rambling here, but I think they're really that good of a team. 
We know what this team's going to do. They are going to bomb threes, and the Pelicans need to defend the three-point line. They can still kill you by going inside, don't get me wrong, uh, but certainly they'd rather shoot threes all day long. You've got a couple of revenge players coming in here in Eric Gordon and Ryan Anderson who are going to want to shoot threes. Both of those guys, by the way, per game, Gordon's averaging 18.6. Ryan Anderson is uh, right at 12.3, basically making a ton of threes. Anderson makes three threes a game. Gordon makes three threes a game. They both take over basically seven attempts per game. Gordon's close to 10 a game. So it shows you what they can do. They're going to need a big night here from Darius Miller to try and keep up with the scoring. I wouldn't be shocked if you see a little bit more from Ian Clark as well. Now that he's at least kind of creeping back into the rotation, maybe some more because you're going to need a guy like him in the shooting just to keep up with this team. You're not going to be able to slow them down. They're going to go out and score. You you kind of almost, I think in a way, they, they remind me a bit of the Warriors where with the Warriors, you need to play a different style of ball to simply keep up. You can't pound it inside and hope they start missing from three. They're such good shooters. They manufacture such open looks that you're really not going to be able to do that against them. The good thing is, when you do attack, you need to get both bigs down low. I don't think this is one of those games where you need to have one on the perimeter to space for the other because Houston isn't a good rebounding team. Um, kind of. They, they can be beaten in that area, and I think that's one of the biggest things, at least uh, when it comes to they're not going to grab a ton of offensive boards. They're fairly okay defensively. They don't look like it, but their defensive rebounding percentage is up there. So you need to get kind of both guys down low to try and beat them that way. You've got to stick it to them and take them a little bit out of what they want to do. They want you to miss. They want to get the boards and they want to get out and run. It's a Mike D'Antoni system. So it's going to be kind of similar-ish to what the Pelicans run with Gentry. It's going to be tough. Frankly, it's just kind of as simple as that. I think this is going to be a very tough matchup for the Pels. I think this is a tough matchup for basically anyone in the league right now. But this will kind of give us an idea of maybe where the team stands in the Western Conference and how they've kind of rebounded from these two lackluster games, even though one was a win. Do they come out with the mental edge they need to? Does Gentry have them coached up, fired up? Or are they looking at this like it's a one-game road trip, we're going to lose anyway, so who cares? Don't want to see that from the team. Hopefully we see the energy and ball movement tonight. I'm not as worried about trying to get the win because I think most of us has kind of chalked this one up as a loss. So let's just see the other things about how they play because those, to me, are going to be some of the most important parts. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at NolaJake on Twitter, and I'll be back with you all tomorrow to recap the game, talk about what we need to kind of cover from this one. We're probably going to learn another thing or two about this team, as well as maybe preview the rest of the week coming up. Take a look around the Western Conference as well, the standings, where do the Pelicans sit after that. Uh, so we'll cover it all right here for you on the Locked on Pelicans podcast.